That's how you make the perfect beef bourguignon. What is up, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I am Dan Ray. We spent all afternoon watching YouTube videos on the best beef bourguignon recipe. We kind of like mishmashed a bunch of them. I will say Maddie Matheson's ended up being the uh, the winner. That's the one that we primarily gleaned from. And did you make but it? I had myself did you a, make it? We did. Sweet. Yeah, hearty stew. All right. Had it for dinner. Right. It was lovely. Very nice. Uh, how have you been so far this week considering? I mean, I haven't had any classic French cuisine, but uh, apart from that, I've been pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I played a karaoke show at the infamous Pig Pounder on Friday night, and that was fun. I had uh, two or three tables playing along with me. It's a, often it's my regulars and that's it, but I had some I had some addition to my regulars. If I hadn't been there and had a whatever draw I had, it would have been super dead. So glad to be helping those guys out on a Friday night. And then we're prepping for the um, Sunday before Halloween. I got a trunk or treat we're playing in the afternoon at a place called Village Beverage. We've done some solo stuff and we played as a band uh, one time before. So getting prepped for that and uh, trying to bring in some new material, some kind of freshen up the stuff. Yeah. But you. So uh, this past Saturday, I was doing a a fill-in gig for my buddy Art, who has a 90s band called Dial Up. And those of you who have been following us for a while, I have done multiple sub dates for them every time at any different position. And this was no exception. I've now played uh, three positions. The only ones I haven't done at this point are keyboards and drums. Hmm. But I was I was like pulling guitar duty for for this round. You know, I spent as much time as I could prepping the material. I had a fair amount of runway, but because of all of the other things that were in front of it, I didn't really spend a lot of time. I didn't have you know really the bandwidth to. But I spent basically as soon as we got back from DC, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday morning, just kind of making sure I I had most of the stuff. There yeah. was one song I wasn't 100% on which was No Rain by Blind Melon. Yeah. And it's just that that song has it's not one of those things where you can just comp the the chords and and pass it. It's yeah. you've got stuff to do. Right. And uh so I yeah, um, and you're not going to get it from memory. Right. And so we ended up running it at Soundcheck and it was totally fine. I think for me I put a lot of pressure on myself to do things absolutely precise and and perfect and it was a porch fest in oakhurst fun on a bunch of pallets and plywood so yeah we were playing through kind of a shoddy pa and it the things that i was focusing on didn't end up being big issues yeah but it was a blast it was a lot of fun the weather was beautiful and got to play stuff i don't normally play and uh there was a lot of thinking on your feet because there were some technical issues and some other stuff so you end up coming having to like hop in on things on on the fly and it was it was a bunch of fun that's good. And, so, uh, and the, the whiplash of going from your highest paid gig of life of your lifetime to playing on a plywood stage, you know, feel for free for free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, the perspective is important because you could definitely think that, uh, you're on some sort of trajectory, but the reality is, is that the variety of gig is, is never going to be consistent. It's always going to be kind of weird. Yeah. Every, and, every gig starts from zero. Yeah. Yeah. But the only pressure for this gig was pressure that I put on myself. Yeah. And, you know, once everything started, it was just have fun. Cool. And the pressure was gone. And uh, lots of people turned out. We had a bunch of cops that were just standing around bobbing their heads. Nice. <laughs> they weren't upset. So, uh, you know, all's well that ends well. The, the biggest thing I was worried about was getting to the venue or the house because 
they were telling us that they were shutting the roads down. So I showed up a bit early and literally pulled right into the driveway. And then they didn't end up blocking the roads at all. So when I was done, I literally threw my three bags and the guitar in the passenger seat and drove right off. So having the ability to play a gig and be home before 6.30 on a Saturday is pretty nice. And me and Amber went out and had sushi that night. And uh, it was great. Nice. All's well, it ends well. Yeah, very good. All right, moving along. This is the part of the, the show that we, we always talk about. It's our favorite part. It's the review part. Yeah. Now, last week we were saying, hey, we didn't have any reviews and we need some. And I would say that this is a great example of the universe having a sense of humor because <laughs> just a couple of days ago, we got a recommendation on our Facebook page and I would like to read it for you now. Uh, forgive the structuring of this as it is all one sentence. Yeah. If you were going to write this, you'd put sick all throughout it. Cause yeah, hey, you're going to quote it exactly the way that it was written. Here we go. This is a testimony that I will tell to everyone to hear. I've been married for four years. And on the fifth year of my marriage, another woman had a spell to take my lover away from me. And my husband left me and the kids. And we have suffered for two years until I meant a post where this man, Dr. Sony have helped someone, and I decided to give him a try to help me bring my love husband home. And believe me, I just send my picture to him and that of my husband, and after 48 hours, as he have told me, I saw a car drove into the house, and behold, it was my husband, and he have come to me and the kids, and that is why I am happy to make every one of you in similar to met with this man and have your lover back to yourself. This is uh, relevant. I mean, you you couldn't ask for a, a, a more glowing no. recommendation. No, of something. So big thanks to uh, Lindy, I guess. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> there's there's got to be some sort of angle to this. Uh, I can't for the life of me figure out what it is. But sure enough, there it is. It's uh, it's on our, our site. And if you if you go to our Facebook page, you can read this under recommendations. Yeah, we're recommended for whatever that is. So if you think you can top this one, good luck, because I just don't think it's possible. No. Good times. Yeah, that's a winner. And if you are in similar to met with this man <laughs> and have your lover back to yourself. Yeah. You should, you should, you've got somebody to look into. You should does that. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Now let's get to the real yeah, meat of this yeah, conversation. Yeah. I pointed out what we're going to talk about to Adam and he was instantly furious. So that's, that's the conversation <laughs> we're about to have. <laughs> so for our, our loyal fans, you guys may recall an episode a few months back. It, it, it might've been about a year at this point where we talked about Rolling Stones, 100 greatest singers of all time. And I would say that we were pretty fair and even handed on our impression of the list and that it was a terrible list. Yeah. And commentary is exactly that. That's just our opinions on things. But it was a very lively conversation uh, when that came out. We got lots of DMs and comments about our thoughts and then other people's thoughts. Uh, I was not prepared for the number of Celine Dion fans that were out there, but man, they are out there and they feel strongly about lots and lots of things. Yeah. So this go around, not to be outdone, Rolling Stone decided to throw down the gauntlet again and release their list of the 250 greatest guitar players of all time. Now, they had put out a list of the 100 greatest ones a few years back, and the 
people who were in charge of compiling that list were other guitar players. It was like, you know, old classic rock musicians. And they got a lot of flack because it was pretty homogenous as far as the kind of musician that made the list. Uh, this go round, they basically interviewed or surveyed their editors and writers to come up with something that was a bit more diverse. And I would say in their defense that it was much more diverse. Uh, that mission was and accomplished, I would say. It covered a lot of ground and you know, it wasn't just the usual suspects in this kind of thing. That being said, there is a lot <laughs> of stuff yeah. to talk about yeah. on this list. Yeah. So before we get into talking about the actual rankings, I'm going to quote the article that starts this whole thing off, which is basically explaining the way that they compiled this list. In making the list, we tended to value heaviness over tastiness, feel over polish, invention over refinement, risk takers and originators more than technicians. We also tended to give an edge to artists who channeled whatever gifts God gave them into great songs and game-changing albums, not just impressive playing. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, fine. And so greatness and game-changingness are qualities that we're after here in making this list. That's just a thing to bear in mind, I think. Yeah. So Dan and I poured over this list and it, it is extensive. It's 250. Yep. And, you know, they each have their own little write-ups. So we, we kind of put them into different classifications. And should we go over all of those at the top yeah. so that people yeah. can kind of like... Yeah, let's just give, give the roadmap here. So um, we have low rankings, as in guitar players Some, we think should be higher up in the list. Somebody got robbed, yeah. Uh, high rankings where we feel like musicians may be a little too far up the chain right. uh, compared to their contemporaries. Yeah. Fair rankings, believe it or not, not many of those. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's something around duos that we'll get into once we get to that set. Bandmates, which I thought was kind of an interesting split to figure out if there's two guitar players in the band, how do they fare against one another? And then we've got an honorable mentions or glaring omission list. You know, people who didn't make the cut that we think should have. So let's go ahead and get the outrage just <sighs> ripped right open. Yeah. And we're going to talk about guitar players that are too low on the list, in our opinion. Now, I'll go ahead and let you kick this one off. Well, they kicked it off. Number 250, <laughs> last one on the list, the last guitar, but the bottom guitarist on the list is Andy Summers from The Police. And that is freaking criminal. There's just no world in which Andy Summers is below, I don't know, 100. I started the article mad. Yeah, the text that I sent to Dan was, <laughs> I'm barely into this list and I'm furious, right. all caps. Right. And this was the initial impression that was just like, oh my, like, how could they do that? Yeah. Again, using their own criteria against them. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. Right. 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 And then 205, Eric Johnson. You got to be kidding me. You, Outrageous. I mean, I don't, we may not have a lot of good argumentation in this episode. It may just be a lot of spluttering, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, to God, go listen to Avia I mean, Musicom. I, listen to Avia Musicom and you'll be like, how is that the 205th best guitarist? That's insane. Insane. Well, it, I guess the other way to think about it is that like, you know, you think about the G3 tours where they have all of these virtuosos yeah. doing these, these package tours. Yes. He's the lowest on the list by like a lot. Well, and I don't think that's remotely justified no by, by by name maybe but you know all of them revere him yeah you know if you're talking about players that got 
their inspiration from him. That being said, Joe Bonamas is not on this list at all. Right, that's uh, true. <laughs> and I mean, anybody cop in his looks more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. Um, and not too far ahead of him at 197 is Nuno Bencourt from Extreme. How can that be? Again, using their own criteria against them. That makes absolutely no sense. A really great example of that is the fact that somebody who is much higher up on the list, Brian May, has been interviewed about how virtuosic and impressive Nuno is as a player. And that's Brian May saying that. Yeah. It's just, it's absolutely outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Not, we don't, we, we could literally stop and splutter over every person they pulled out of here, but just, maybe we just, just bang some names until we get a little higher on the list or it gets a little more. Yeah, Dime Bag Daryl at 131. Joe Walsh above him at 130. Steve Vai is 127. Ridiculous. Steve Howell from Yas, 126. Yeah. Lindsey Buckingham. Django Reinhardt is only number 70. Yeah. Frank Zappa barely cracking the top 50. And there, these last three, it's, I do yeah, kind of want to talk it's about. It's where it gets painful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because 28 is David Gilmore. Any world in which David Gilmore is not in the top 10 guitarists ever. It makes no sense to me. Of all of the players on this list, like Dave Gilmore would be on my Mount Rushmore. For sure. Of like influential guitar totally. players that are a big deal. Him being that, I mean, again, he's above a lot of really phenomenal musicians. Yeah. But there's also a handful of folks above him, higher up towards number one that, make, that have no place being there. yeah yeah and and if our rubric here is great songs and game-changing albums like yeah almost name somebody better absolutely so the other two that these were low rankings and we compiled this list together yeah stevie ray vaughn at number 20 and prince at number 14 and i'm going to say i don't think those are low i think those are fair really if you're looking if you're looking at the the pantheon oh. i don't necessarily take umbrage with either of those based on who is above them. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, to uh, just as a preview of coming attractions, you look at the top 10 and it's, there's some quibbles, but uh, they're the top. They kind of got the very top of the list. Right. Ish. More or less. Um, yeah. I just feel like SRV and Prince sh sh belonged in that top 10. I don't know. It's arguable for sure. Once you get into like inside the top 25, it's probably all a wash maybe, but yeah. it kind of, it hurt my feelings. They see very at 20. You know, I, all I had to do was look at the other blues players that I put above him. Yeah. That's to me where I felt like it, it was kind of justified. Yeah. I, 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 I can see that argument. So that, I mean, that's just, that's the way that I feel about it, but everybody has their, their own feelings about this. Yes. So on the flip side of this, we're going to now go into musicians ranking too high. Yeah. And a lot of these are going to have another artist to contrast, like so-and-so is above somebody else. And I think that is a great way to put these rankings in perspective. Starting the list off at 129 is Nita Strauss. No skin off her back. Nita Strauss is a fantastic musician, but she's above a lot of people, including Jennifer Batten, who we interviewed, yeah. and she is on this list. Yes. Number 237, which yeah. a, a little low, concerning the fact that she could hang with the one and only Jeff Beck, yeah. who is number five, by the way. Yeah, plus, you know, Michael only had his world's choice of guitarists, and she's who he picked, so. Exactly. Yeah. And she's above Steve Vai. Nita is. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, that... Seems, I feel a way about that. Seems wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Above her is Kim Thale from Soundgarden. Also yeah. above Steve Vai. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's got he's got a unique playing style. No argument there. But 
considering that Nuno Betancourt is lower down the list. Eric Johnson's lower down the list. Dimebag, like all of these guys are, you know, below him as far as the uh, the ranking goes. Another one that I took issue with, Kerry King from Slayer, number 100 above Dimebag Daryl yeah. at 131. Criminal. Shouldn't be. I don't. Yeah. Again, Kerry King responsible for one of the worst recorded guitar solos ever made. <laughs> no sleep till Brooklyn. No sleep Even if it's Brooklyn. a joke, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Now, the, these are going to be a little well, testy. I, and I put these on there and, and, and I have a reason. The next two that I've listed there are Kurt Cobain at 88 and Willie Nelson at 77. And my issue is that what you think of them as is songwriters, performers, not really guitar players. I mean, they both tell you they're not at the top of the craft, right? And that was kind of part of Cobain's whole thing was that he wasn't. And so among the best songwriters uh, of history for sure. Yeah. But to list them this high in a list of world's best guitar players feels wrong to me. Well, you know, in Rolling Stones defense, we also tended to give the edge to artists who channeled whatever gifts they had into great songs and well, game-changing albums. Fair, fair. There's a fair amount of those between the two of them. On that note, Jay Maskus is above Kurt Cobain. I don't believe that to be the yeah. case. John Mayer is number 61. Some people may feel like that's the right spot, but I don't necessarily feel like he belongs on this list maybe at all. Right. Don't hate me. <laughs> right. I don't know. He no, he's a very talented player, but like he got famous for aping other people's stuff. He is a he's a blues player, but he's got a very impressive improvisational repertoire. It's bore itself out with Dead & Co. So that might just be my personal bias, but I feel like John Mayer at 61 is too high. Let's see who else. Jack White at 32, way too high. Way too high. Also, St. Vincent at 26. 26 above, is high for St. Vincent, I think. I think you're right. Above uh, David Gilmore. Above David Gilmore. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't seem right. Again, no shade. Annie, she's, she's a Berkeley-trained musician, incredibly talented but feels a little high. And the biggest question mark for me is number 17, which is Mother Maybelle Carter yeah. of like the Carter family. Yeah, listen, cru crucial, seminal Americana musician, you know, very important in the history of blues and folk and, you know, country and everything, everything that kind of emerged out of early American music. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, can, can she hang at number 17 as a guitarist? That's tough. And the photo they picked of her has her with, with an auto harp. <laughs> yeah, she's playing an auto harp, so, which does not, yeah, yeah it doesn't. It doesn't do a very good job of justifying their choice. Now you picked you picked one here at number three that I'm gonna need you to justify to me. Okay, again, this is just my personal opinion, but number three is Jimmy Page. And I just I don't see it, especially considering the other contemporaries of his much lower down the list. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in terms of got, influence, it's hard to argue though. Sure, but like Keith Richards is number fifteen. Yeah. Okay. I. I uh, yeah. I mean, which, which sloppy blues guy you're gonna go with, right? Right. It just doesn't. <laughs> eh, hmm. Led Zeppelin, one of my favorite bands. For sure. But him, him being above some of the like. I mean, Eddie Van Halen's number four. Right. And and I understand, like, if you're looking at the pantheon of things, you have to look at the people who came first. And if they didn't exist, would these other people exist? And does Jimmy Page deserve to be in the top 20? Absolutely. Top 10? Probably. Arguably, yes. Probably. Number three? Yeah. The thing about Zeppelin is it's it's one of those bands that's 
greater than the sum of its parts, right? And, and, and 100%. you know, Jimmy absolutely was a massive contribution to that, but it wouldn't have been what it was without the other guys. And he wouldn't have had the opportunity he had to be what he was without being in that collection of guys. And so, 100%. you know, him as a standalone fella being number three, I guess, I, I guess I get you. I get, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I'm convinced you sold it's, me. It's a hot take. I, you know, I, I, I fully admit it. Yeah. So, yeah. Let, okay. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's just kind of disrobe this yeah, negativity yeah, this yeah, this controversy let's, let's, the, the, let's talk the next, about, this group is fair rankings and this is the balm yes. for our soul section of the podcast yes yeah. for sure yeah. uh so I'll go, you, you did the majority of these, so I'll, I'll go ahead and let you kind of run through your list. Sure. So 59 was Robert Fripp, who is probably one of the most inventive guitarists that's ever picked up an electric. Maybe Django was better and more inventive on acoustic, but Fripp dug deep on a lot of things. If you're not familiar with his League of Crafty Guitarists project, you really need to be because it's really something. Um, 53 Trey Anastasio, and I feel kind of the same way, like inventive, creative, blazed a lot of new ground, picked up the torch that was there in the jam band world and ran with it hard. And uh, yeah. 53 feels about right for both his chops, which are massive, and what he mm-hmm. what he did as a his songwriter. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, huge. The Edge at 45, a lot of people feel like the Edge is overrated. I am not one of them. I think that, I think that his approach is really unique. I think that his voice, you know, his tone and, 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 but not just tone, like his, his choices he makes are really, really creative and unique. Um, and 45 feels like it does justice to him without overplaying that. My only gripe is that 46 is Frank Zappa. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's you know, definitely if you, an if you take yeah. If you take them out of the ranking and you just say this person is ranked this and you're not looking at the list, you're like, yeah, that, that's, that seems fair. But yeah, when you start comparing them to the people above yeah. and below them, you're like, wait yeah. a second. Right. Yeah, that that doesn't make sense. You're right. Um, but I mean, like the edge, whether you want to admit it or not, that playing style and the way that he leveraged effects is massively influential yes. on modern guitar players totally. Uh, totally. in a way that like, I don't think a lot of people bother to dig into. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Bo Diddley at 41, I thought was a good pick. Yep. I feel like the blues players are pretty much where they should be yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Robert Johnson was number 16. And it's interesting that Keith Richards is number 15 because if you're looking at without one, there there wouldn't be the other. No. Robert Johnson being the prototype, the, the one who influenced all of these other players. Right. Most of the people who cop to that are on this list. You've got yep. Clapton at 35. you got... I don't know. I, I think Clapton at 35 is fair. I, you know, his early body of work was definitely influential. Sometimes you you live long enough to become the villain of your own story. <laughs> That's I don't know. true. I don't yeah, know what to say about that. Yeah, yeah. Also wanted uh, some honorable mentions. John Frusciante at 25, I think, is uh, totally justifiable. I think his body of work speaks for itself. He's, yes. you know, a massively talented person. And um, I'll leave that last one off because we'll probably talk about the top five in order. Okay. But yeah. yeah, we'll come back to that one, but it is probably the fairest of the rankings of the whole Yeah, thing. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, something about the way that this list was created, they did a lot of these groupings of guitar players. So, basically, they were like, maybe these guitar players on their own weren't enough to make the list, but the way that they played together in a band is something worth talking about yeah so there's a bunch of duo duo rankings is what we refer to them yeah typically we're coupling the lead and the rhythm guitarist in a band together um, right or bands that pass it back and forth you know p- putting them together as a pair and kind of considering them as a 
as a unit, which in right. some cases made some sense and on others was weird. Some examples, 225, you got Wayne Kramer and Fred Smith from the MC5, 219, Glenn Tipton, KK Downing from Judas Priest. But there were also a bunch of these where it didn't seem fair that they put them together because each of the individual guitarists should have been recognized on their own. And a couple of those I just want to draw attention to. 124, Mike McCready and Stone Gossard. They've done great work outside of just Pearl Jam. Gary Rostin and Alan Collings and Leonard Skinner. I think that is a massive oversight, putting them together. You had mentioned Johnny Greenwood and Ed O'Brien from Radiohead. Yep. The other ones that I felt were, I was very upset by. <laughs> 38, Angus and Malcolm Young. Absolutely not. Yeah. Both of them deserve their own individual spots on this list. Malcolm Young's contribution to ACDC cannot be understated. He is the reason why ACDC sounds the way that ACDC sounds. Yeah. And then at 23, James Hetfield, Kirk Hammett, that didn't feel right. I feel like James Hetfield, from a rhythm guitar player standpoint, he basically wrote the book on aggressive metal rhythm playing. Like, yeah. he, he deserves to be on there by himself. Yep, agreed. Moving into some other fun categories, let's talk about bandmates. I thought that was kind of a fun way to look at it. So in the event that they didn't necessarily group them together, the distance between one bandmate and the other, I just thought was kind of an interesting observation. So we mentioned earlier that Jennifer Batten is on the list. Uh, 237. David Williams, who is also a guitar player for Michael Jackson, was 232. And he has the distinction of playing on the majority of those records. So him being above Jennifer Madden, I think is justifiable based on the criteria that they gave. Yeah. Uh, I still think Jennifer at 237 is a little low, but uh, you know that's just my personal opinion. The Runaways is another interesting one. So Lita Ford and Joan Jett are both on the list separately. Lita at 192 and then Joan Jett at number 76. So that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Both had great solo careers. Joan's probably a bit more successful sure. over yeah. the course of time. You know, she was still charting. Um, I mean, she's still putting records out that, you know, people are stoked on. And I thought this was kind of interesting. The Beatles. Yes. So <laughs> you've got Paul McCartney at 173, John Lennon at 159, and then above him, at number 31, yep. you have George Harrison. So it's a bit of a spread, but I, I think, I don't know, I think those are justified. I feel like they all have their own contribution to the band's legacy, but also their own solo output. Totally, totally fair, I think. Yeah, for sure. And there were a lot of... Um there were a lot of tunes that it turns out like I didn't know, Hey, that was really John playing that lead or whatever. Right. Um, so the other, the other two, uh, certainly contributed lead work and as a guitar band, you know, they were all, they were all there doing it. So, and then this one kind of bugs me. Uh, it's the Allman brothers. <laughs> yeah. You got Dickie Betts at 145, and then Dwayne Allman at 10, 10. And it's funny. Cause if you read the article under Dickie Betts, they literally quote Dwayne Allman as saying, I'm the famous one. But Dickie's the good one. Yeah. So, I mean, straight What's from up? the horse's mouth. Yeah. But yeah, I just, that's a that's probably the widest swing, maybe. I didn't do the math. Me neither, but it's, but it's, 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 it's a, a swing. It's a pretty wide yeah. delta, I guess you would say. Now, talking about some of the other things that I was, I was fairly impressed by, we mentioned diversity. You know, you've got world music, you've got a lot of jazz, you've got... A lot of blues. Uh, yep, and you've got male-female players. But I wanted to draw attention to the younger players, which I appreciated because I feel like you go through these lists and it's the same group of 
old dudes like on these things over and over again. And so I counted one, two, three, four, five, six, like seven, what I would consider younger contributors to the list. Uh, number 242 is somebody that I was not familiar with, but she is the youngest on this list. Her name is Lindsay Jordan, and she is the guitar player for a band called Snail Mail. Was not familiar with them, right. but I looked them up because I wanted to find out more about it. And I got to tell you that that record that they put out in 2018 when she was 19 years old is phenomenal. Mm. And while it, there's some impressive guitar work on it, it's not flashy in that way. And it's more about the sophistication of her songwriting, which is super, super impressive. If you are remotely into indie rock, go look up Snail Mail. I was absolutely blown away. Cool. The second youngest, by six months is uh, Kingfish at, at 200. If you have not checked him out, I mean, what a monster mm. musician. Like, just watching him play is just awesome. Guy just exudes the blues and and just is really fun to watch. And his he's got a signature purple dual humbucker Telecaster that Fender makes. It is rad. Mm. It's really cool. Nice. Hers on the list at 233. 161, Tim Hansen of Polyphia. You've got Yvette Young at 155, and then Tosin Abasi at 99. So, you know, you've got people on this list that are in their yeah. early 20s yeah. still. Good upcoming uh, talent. Which is absolutely something that we should be excited about. Uh, I, I definitely rail against this online a lot that, you know, we've got to make room for younger players to get into this world because if we don't, then, you know, more people are necessarily going to get in there. Yep. So let's go ahead and get into the top 10. I feel okay. like talking yeah. about the top 10 is is absolutely... It's, yeah, it's calling to us. How to wrap this up. Yep. So we yeah. said number 10 is Dwayne Allman, and I guess I'm on board. You know, I feel like somebody burning out at the height of their fame yeah. kind of gives them that kind of legend status. Right. But I would say Dwayne Allman's body of work fares that out. I, yeah. I, I, I love all of the stuff that he's done. Yes. He did. Yes. yes. For sure. Yes. Number nine, Joni Mitchell. It's a well, listen, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm going to contradict myself because just a few minutes ago, I talked about how there's some people who are songwriters and not really guitarists. The reality is Joni is both. She, she did some really creative chord work. It's, you know, she's an acoustic guitar player, so it's not going to burn down the, you know, melt any faces, but go listen to her song Coyote and tell me that that's not some of the most creative guitar songwriting and playing you've ever heard. It's, it's just incredible. Sure. But I do want to note that uh, Randy Rhodes is number 21. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> fair. Yeah. Just, again, yeah. if you take them out of, out of context... I mean, it's totally fine. Maybe it speaks to the the breadth of guitar as an instrument. Like, how do you even say what a, a guitar player is, right? Right. Um, so that's probably part of the challenge of putting this. Although I'm not, I have no quibble with number eight, which is BB King. Yeah. Everybody who's lower down the list has some debt to pay to that man. For sure. For sure. With the exception of number 68, which is Les Paul. <laughs> right. Who and then owed number 70, Django Reiner. But yeah, everybody else. All of yeah. this. For sure. At number seven, I initially had some quibble with, and then I read the blurb and I was like, oh, I didn't realize he played on all those things. It's Nile mm -hmm. Rodgers. And I mostly know Nile Rodgers as kind of a funk and disco producer right. more than other things. But the reality is- Yeah, he was is, way more than Sheik. Way more than Sheik. Way more. Yeah. I mean, it was when, it was when we mentioned that he played those uh, super awesome inversions at the top of Let's Dance by David Bowie. It was like, okay, sold. Yep. Sold. On top of- you know, all of the other stuff that he's Everything done. else, yeah. Yeah. Go look up his body of work. It, it is absolutely Unbelievable. Incredible. Unbelievable, yeah. 
So number six, honestly, I think it's one of the ones that I was like really stoked to mm -hmm. see, which is Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yep. She's the highest ranked woman on the list. Again, a super diverse list. There are tons of women on this list, but her being number six, I think is just as important as seeing Robert Johnson yes. and, and all of these other innovators, these massive influential yeah. and not necessarily people who got their due. No. In their, you know, in their day. For sure not. No, but but big time blues innovators and originators. And yeah, you know, BB King because he knew Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah. Before rock and roll even existed, she also practically invented the concept of a guitar hero. Yeah. 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 It's pretty impressive. Yeah. 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 She's and if you've never listened to strange things happening every day, you gotta do it. Go look it up. Gotta go do it. And I would say that. Like if if you see somebody on this list, if you go on to Rolling Stone, Every single one of them have tracks that you should check out. Yep. And uh, I would highly recommend doing that if you're curious. You know, I did that for uh, Snail Mail and found this absolutely gorgeous album that I listened to all evening. So I think that'd be well worth your while. Yep. Number five, Jeff Beck. Sorry with that. This is, again, a hot take. He was never really my cup of tea. I respect his musicianship. And while his stuff didn't speak to me, I absolutely have no quibbles with him being this high up the list. Yeah. Number four, EVH. Number four, I mean, it's it's a little hard considering he's not number one. I know there's a bunch of people out there who are like, okay, it's Mount Rushmore, and it's just Eddie Van Halen's face four times, right. you know? Right. Well, he, but, yeah, uh, he he so defined what rock guitarist is. Like, he's the template that everybody the, looks back to, you know? 100%. Uh, but above him, you've got pretty heavy hitters. Jimmy Page, we already covered that. We've talked about that. Let me not dig myself into any uh, bigger of a hole. Uh, number two, Chuck Berry. Again, yeah, he's he deserves to be where he's at. Every bit of it. Now, I will say this, and and I wanted to call out another one. You know, when you are looking at musicians and their body of work, you also sometimes have to wrestle with who they were as a person. Yes. Um, at one forty-eight, Ike Turner is on that list, and literally, like the first thing in the paragraph <laughs> is. Ike Turner was a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not mince words. Right, right. I thought that was uh, that was worth calling out because yeah. yeah, I just thought that was funny. But sure. Now, so yes, as, as we go into number one, I was I was mentioning to my wife that we were going to have this conversation today, and she was like, "Well, who's number one?" And I said, "Jimi Hendrix." And she said, "Well, I don't care about anything else on the list." Then, like, <laughs> it, it's, I, Jimi Hendrix can be number one. I literally don't care about the other two forty nine. I'd fight you if it wasn't Jimi Hendrix at the top of the list. Since it is, I'm cool. And I honestly get it. Yeah, I, I if you look at somebody's creative output over the course of their career, and again, he short, only had eight short years in his to case, do it, yeah. But he did something that had never been done before. Right. And justifiably, he made his way to the upper echelon of the industry. He was the highest paid musician by the time he uh he passed away. But I don't think anybody has had so much influence on everybody that came after them right. as Jimi Hendrix. Right. The jewelry and the clothing and the the mannerisms and the yeah. just the general vibe, like the prototype. Yeah. 1.0, yeah. but also kind of like not necessarily alpha, but gold master also. Yes. Because there aren't many other people who came after him who did it better than he did. Right. I remember a quote from I think it was Steve Vai saying, I'm pretty good at guitar. When I hear a Jimi Hendrix record, I know what he's doing, but I have no idea in a lot of cases why he's doing it. And like that just says the whole thing. He's he's a pentatonic player. He's not 
super flashy. He's not, you know, high octane. He's, he, you know, he's no Eddie Van Halen in terms of he wouldn't play Eruption. It wouldn't be him. But the choices he made, the way that he built chords, the way that he embellished chords, just nobody had ever done that before. And really, I, it's hard to think of anybody who's done it since. And, and the way that you have to kind of acknowledge that none of what came through him existed yeah. until he made it right. happen. Right. And that's really what you have to you have to kind of look at, especially when you're looking at like these top 10 musicians. So like Eddie Van Halen, he took all the things that came before him, but he did something that nobody else had done True. up to that point that's right. in the way that he, he could do it. That's right. And you know, it's, we always talk about the way that we, we play is we just kind of are an amalgamation of our influences. And some of us pick up skills better than others. And some people can take all of that acquired knowledge and wrap it up in something totally unique that's yeah. never been yeah. existed before. Yeah, you know, we, and, we uh, talked about the people in this list who are blues influenced, right? And yeah. a lot of them fundamentally what they're still playing is blues. Jimmy, very blues influenced, and then he soaked it in acid and launched it to the moon. Like it's it's unlike anything that's happened before. Yeah. You can hear the blues influence behind it sometimes, a lot of the time, but yeah. but he's 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 taking it to places that really nobody ever went before and open up a whole new world for guitar. And so, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a, a 250 person list, you can argue over the bottom 120 yeah. and it doesn't really matter right? because ultimately the top 10, top five are the ones that like people are really going to care about. Yep. And I'm not sure how these kinds of conversations go when they're like compiling the list i guarantee you there's some pretty heated discussions trying to make these final calls i would think although at the same time nobody's getting paid to be on this list so also fair yeah. all right so i would like to now go into folks that weren't on the list that um <sighs> feel like they should be yeah some of these are more contemporary some of these are older but like the fact that ace fraley from kiss wasn't on this list yeah. i found to be su surprising yeah because again you're talking about influence right. and if you talk to any guitar player that hit their professional stride in the 80s or 90s ace fraley from kiss is the reason why they started playing guitar so his influence alone whether he was the best technical player or came up with the most impressive solos that remains to be you know seen well but, I mean, part, part of uh, the fun of the band was that it wasn't it wasn't impressive it was you know it was, it was bad I mean, it was like not no, great he, he had a very unique style that fit that band yes. perfectly. Yes. And the stuff that he was able to to put together for the group, especially in that first run when before they like kind of lost the plot, <laughs> um, is is truly impressive. I, I defy you to watch them doing Black Diamond in like 1974 uh, and not be impressed with what you're seeing because fair. it is it is impressive. Fair. More contemporary I, I feel like Marcus King should be on there. I feel like he is in the realm of Kingfish and, and some of these more modern blues players mm. that is doing super impressive work and should get more due than he's getting. Yep. He's also a devastatingly good singer. Huh. The guy is incredible. Guthrie Govan is not on this list. Yeah. Yeah, I was upset about that. Uh, to be fair, I'm not sure how well-known outside guitar no, culture he is. Very well-known inside guitar culture, but um, yeah. I'm not sure he has much of a mainstream presence. Uh, which is a shame because yeah. in a lot of ways he is sort of a inheritor of 
what Eddie Van Halen was doing. Very, very mm-hmm. technical, but also very artistic. Yeah. One of those guys that just like onboarded all of this data and is able to like <laughs> yeah. blurt out new, unique stuff. And there were definitely a bunch of people that I picked in the quote unquote guitar world. John Petrucci, I feel like yeah. deserves to be on here. Yes. And then basically everybody else that I picked on this list is just fans of John Petrucci. Yeah, right. It's like Misha Mansoor from Periphery, Jason Richardson, who is a insane metal guitar player. John Five, from a versatility standpoint, skill set, I think, I mean, he's played with tons of different artists. He's got a really unique body of work. I feel like he deserves to be up there. And then I got, here, here are my two dark horses, okay? okay go. Brett Hines from Mastodon, because huh. I just don't think, there's not many people out today that, just play like the guitar was like inserted into their hands the second they were born. Like he just <laughs> plays in a way that is yeah. incomprehensibly him. Yeah. And if he's playing on a song, you know, it's him. That's just what he is. And on a similar note, Corey Wong, who I think has absolutely captured the imagination of modern guitar players with the simplicity and the cleanliness, I guess, of his playing. You know, very conservative playing in a very technical, precise way, but is still accessible and not, I would say, self-indulgent like, um, well, every other guitar player. (laughs) (laughs) So those are my picks for glaring emissions. Do you you have any uh, any other ones you want to throw? No, you nailed it. I was I was um, there were a few I was looking for, but Guthrie was the one who most most raised to the surface for me. Awesome. All right, guys, that's our that's our take on the list. Highly recommend you check it out. If there are any people that are too high up the list or or people that you thought got robbed, let us know about it. Coverbankconfidential at gmail.com. Leave yeah. a comment. Let us know because, I mean, this is the stuff that we would do in our free time. You know, we, we, just, we have the luxury <laughs> of sharing it with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're mad at us, I yeah, mean, you that's know. It. no, that's really it. Send us your, Hey, you're couldn't, yeah. You know, how dare you send us our, your, how dare you's love that. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Cannot wait. Yep. And for our non guitarist friends, we'll be back to normal cover band content next promise. It's just like something like this comes, you, you just can't help yourself. No, no, that, you truly can't. Yeah. I had a whole adrenaline, adrenaline thing going on as I'm reading this. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm liking how we kind of like settled. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. My blood pressure was definitely, a lot higher about 20 minutes ago. Right. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Send us a review. Uh, if you can't send us a review, send somebody to cast a spell on us so that our lover returns yeah. if possible. And if you need contacts again, I can, I've got an email for you. Just that, whoever that was that casted that spell. Absolutely. If you want to support the show, you can join our thriving Patreon community or do whatever the stuff that Mike's about to tell you. Otherwise, I'll go ahead and call it for this week. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for the week of October 20th, 2023. Hey, everybody. It's Mike Schulte from the worst name band in America, the Pork Tornadoes. I listen and love this show, and apparently you do too, because you made it this far. No one makes it this far, but you did, which means that you owe Adam and Dan. This podcast is free, and you consume it to its fullest. It's time to pay up. Here's three things you need to do. A, you have to leave them a review on your podcast platform. You're already in the app. Click five stars right now. Write some words. Done. While you're there, share this episode to a fellow musician. There's a share icon on your podcast app. Text it to him and say, you need to listen to this. You need to get better. You're not a good musician. This will help you. Two, 
You have to follow them on your social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Go find them and follow. And D, everything I just said is free and it's the least you can do, but here's where you can really support you. Join the Patreon. This is where you can actually support this podcast that you cherish so much. A small monthly donation gets you access to the Slack channel, which is the best place to be if you're a musician who wants to take your band to the next level. You have some of the best musicians giving advice and helping you out, and it's just a great overall community do it i'm serious do it now do all these things or else the pork tornadoes will come to your town book a show the same night as your band at a different bar i'm serious we'll do it 